Let's do it. We won a series. Yes. Beat the Tampa Bay Rays in a three-game series. We haven't had a happy episode in so long, and I, I feel like we can actually have a real happy one because there was a lot of really good things that happened in this series. Episode number 195 of the Mets Up Podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets. So much to talk about. Game one, not so much, but game two and three, a lot of conversations to go on. Senga, the walk-off home runs. Game three, another exciting one, back and forth baseball. Just, it, it's really refreshing to be able to talk about the Mets in a very positive light here. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah, go. Shouldn't I keep doing the intro? You sh- oh, you should. Yeah. yeah. We, all right, Vito, we got to restart it now. No. no, we don't have to restart. We can stick here. Yeah, but, just take it. Hey, if you guys like what you see right here, follow us, Messed Up Podcast, subscribe, leave a rating, review, and now we're going to bring in Mark. We're talking about the series. There, here I am. <laughs> here I am again. Yeah, no more intros for me until the Mets lose another series. But for now, we're winners. And we've beat the Rays and the Dodgers. Last two series wins. Two teams with the best records in each of their respective leagues in baseball. And kind of called it a little bit in the last episode where this team might have just had to rise to an occasion. And they rose to an occasion in a huge way, especially on Wednesday night. But it kind of just felt like that that film we were talking about, that malaise that was over this team, it really kind of got relieved a little bit. It's partially by coming home, it felt like. Yeah. And also just by the fact that we know we have to give our best to be the team that is the best. And they did. How refreshing was it to hit some home runs? Home runs are so much fun. So much fun. Mets hit seven home runs in the last three days. Like, I, I think John's going to try and find how many games before that took the Mets hit seven home runs. But <laughs> it felt like a, like a lifetime because home runs are incredibly fun. I really forgot how much fun home runs are, especially when they're being hit by just these youngsters teeming with testosterone and fury and power and fun. On the 16th at 7.55, I tweeted, hitting home runs looks like so much fun. Wish the Mets could do that. Uh, up from that point till today... So game three is the start of game three. The Mets had only scored runs by hitting home runs in games, which yeah. I was like, I mean, the, the, the jinx was unbelievable again. And the only other two runs the Mets scored were literally on infield hit. Again, one was an out, a fielder's choice, and one was a dribbler that yeah. time. Fan be that. NP got the home run in game three. So it's like the home runs have continued, which is a very, very promising sign, especially from Pete Alonso, who has been a little bit hot and cold this year, but 16 home runs, like 30 seven 38 rbis on the year also as bad as it got tuesday night with justin verlander getting hit kind of hard the fans getting pretty restless in his home debut we did find three home runs later in the game yeah when it was already seemingly out of reach did get kind of close towards the end cut to a three-run lead but those home runs kind of started and it felt like that maybe allowed the mets to realize you kind of felt like all right things are happening again the offense is feeling it again we're kicking again like we have power that we know we have almost like hey we can hit home runs we can do this and like there there were a bunch of balls in washington too that like were home runs and like Morning 20 tracks. of the 30 parks yeah um tommy fam got screwed on a couple balls that should have been out but yeah it's it's really nice it's like okay so let's just talk about game one i guess then start talking about that one with verlander's debut i think that was basically it yeah, but I mean, yeah. We, we do have to talk about yeah. Verlander's start real quick, just get it over with. It, it wasn't great by no. any means, and this is luckily where the, like, I guess bad baseball kind of kind of ends here. Verlander just wasn't sharp on a Tuesday night. And that happens to pitcher. He gets literally the best offense in baseball, as we, we told all you guys before the series started. Luckily, Yendi hasn't even played in the series, too. Which Thank was, goodness. Which is great, which is great for us. He's actually come due back tomorrow. They said we could come back today, but they want to give him the one more day off in the day game. We're like, all right, nice. Thank you guys so much. But... You kind of felt immediately what this Rays lineup does. They're able to take pitches. They work deep in the counts. They draw a lot of walks, and then anyone can put it out. And we felt that with Isak Paredes getting two and Jose Siri, who's almost <laughs> turned out to be a little bit of a Mets killer himself. Like almost a rat. One. I yeah. mean, he's probably rat adjacent, I think, right he, now. He's, I said this to you on Wednesday night. He is the full reincarnation of Avisail Garcia, <laughs> who if you guys like were really thinking about baseball like five or six years ago, came up with the Rays as just like this just torqued up dude who can just hit the ball really hard and run really fast, but then the rest of it, kind of gets lost, and that is Jose Siri. Yeah, and he, I mean, came from the Astros, too. Two very smart organizations. Like you said, he hit that home run, hit one in game two as well. 
He thought he was going to almost maybe rob that Mark Vientos home run, which is a little bit scary. But yeah, going back to game one, a uh, little bit just of a, felt like a bad vibe to start the series a little bit. But I mean, like we kind of said with the rest of this one, we know how it ended. It's really nice to see them bounce back from that. Yeah, the big thing was that the Rays didn't really chase anything against Justin Verlander, especially yeah. not a slider. They didn't swing him as one time as curveball. They went three times as slider, but they just, they're really spitting on it a lot when it was out of the zone. It's just a smart team that probably had a really good game plan to attack. And it was what, Verlander's third star of the year after yeah. missing some time. And like, first at home. First at home. I'm sure the juice has flown a little bit. Like, uh, gonna be all right. Gonna be all right. We, we played softball. We almost won our. Our game almost. Almost. Got almost. Close. We are on a uh, winless softball team. Don't say that. Why? Why would you say that? We are. It's <laughs> we true. are. True, but I guess. I don't know. I'm not a liar. It's unfortunate that we are. We, we got maybe, maybe some of the boys listen to this. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, it's true. We've been close a few times. God. So close. We lost 17 16 Tuesday night. Heartbreaker. The guy. Football game. The guy who made the game winning catch on the other team, which is like a weird way to explain it, but the guy who it made was. the catch to save the game for them fell and tripped like three times on previous fly balls in the outfield. Yeah, I know. And then he made this unbelievable catch. acrobatic catch. To save the game. And then when we went out for drinks afterwards, they were at the same bar, which was a little yeah. bit heartbreaking, too. But it was also, like, yeah, nice people. A lot of these leagues, these, like, men's softball leagues in the city, you got a lot of heart, though. So James, it was cool. James has some good pieces, too. Yeah, I do. I got a couple, couple nice shots, made some nice plays in the outfield, for sure. too. We had, we had a really good defensive game, the podcast. But also, shout out Jeff McHitz. He's... He's the he's he's the best hitter in our softball team. He was on deck with the game on the line. That diving catch kept him from coming up after he really had hit a legit home run, home run over the fence in softball. Yeah, he it was unbelievable. People were marveling from around from around <laughs> the park. But yeah, shout out Jeff. You know who you are. Of course, shout out Jeff. That's the end of game one. Let's talk about game two now, because <laughs> it was also funny just doing this in softball, because like a lot of this team is Mets fans. Oh, true, true, true. We were like everyone was keeping track on their phone, like moaning and groaning, like oh my god. Especially after coming off the game on Monday, <laughs> we were like, oh no, this is really brutal. Everyone just pontificating about the Mets, and then it all washed away suddenly on Wednesday night. First, felt like the first time in a month. Yeah, I mean, we were there. We were at the game. First time in a minute that we've been at a Mets game, yeah. honestly, since the last time we recorded an episode. Yeah. Uh, Electric City from the start. I mean, I was surprised at how many people were here. I was a little worried about maybe what it was going to look like with, one, the Rays in town. I know me, me and you love the Rays, like, as baseball fans, but we know they don't really bring the biggest attendance. That being said, I saw a lot of Rays hats and jerseys around the stadium. Shout out to the Rays fans. Yeah. Shout out to the Mets fans, too. But shout out to the Rays fans, because... A team that doesn't get a lot of love in terms of like, because their attendance is always awful, but people don't realize the stadium's terrible and it's in the middle of nowhere and it's a pain in the butt to get to. But they got fans and they showed up. The New York City to Tampa St. Petersburg pipeline is fruitful. Yeah. Like a lot of people are going back and forth to those two places. University regularly. of Tampa. Of course. A lot yeah. of New Yorkers. Can yeah, I no. add something to you guys too? You can. Vitz. This is also their home stadium. They did use City <gasps> Field as their did. home stadium one time. Yes. Right? Oh my God. I forgot about that. Yes. Thumbs down. Yeah. Thumbs down? The yeah, other thumbs down. The other, yeah, the other thumbs, thumbs, thumbs down. Just the guy. The single, the guy. Yeah. yeah. That's actually so funny that that, that guy <laughs> did that here, and now he's like a Mets person. Like, the, people see him at, like, Mets games all the time. Yeah. And, like, they, they want to take pictures with him. But that was at a Rays game, technically. That's one of my favorite, like, just small gifts or, like, little images, memes to put on Twitter. Was, yeah. on, was it on the back page of the post? He might have been. I think he got on the back page of the post for that. At least he was in the post, but... Pretty impressive for a random guy doing something. Yeah, but it was weird also Wednesday night because it was kind of the tale of two games, because the almost even three games, because the first <laughs> game was the fact that Kodai Sanga was completely lights out, the best start of his young MLB career. With, with his, his family in family town. Family in town, and he was very tongue-in-cheek after the game, especially after Verlander left the field with some booze on Tuesday. He was like, yeah, I'm really happy my family and see me get booed, <laughs> which was the, the second best quote that came out of Wednesday's game. But only gave up one earned run, got 12 strikeouts against, again, the best offense in baseball. Yep. 12 strikeouts are the most by a Japanese-born starting pitcher in Mets history. Hell yeah. And 18 whiffs. 
most by a Mets pitcher this year, and those strikeouts and whiffs were, of course, the most Sanga's had this year himself. Yes, it was just all-around incredible game. He was disgusting. We were yeah. watching. We, we float around the ballpark. We, we go in different spots, different areas. And he was just, like, in control the entire time, which was really nice because Senga has, I mean, he's had his ebbs and flows. We knew this was going to happen. We've talked about it a hundred times on the podcast. But he, like you said, he very much felt in control this game. And it was like, it felt like a very big step forward in the progression for Kodai Senga's career. Not that there was ever a doubt, but it was just like, oh, yeah, like when this guy has got it going and figuring it out, like he has a chance to be absolutely dominant. Yeah, and the big thing that happened, which is something we've alluded to in this podcast a little bit, is that he just made a lot of really little adjustments that so kept sick. the Rays super off balance. We've talked about the fact that Kodai kind of gets into this little like this little like routine with hitters, where it's like you get the fastball to start, you get the two strikes, drop the ghost fork. Fastball to start, get two strikes, drop the ghost fork. And then whatever happens in between there, that kind of determines whether the start would be a good one or a bad one. But he really, really varied his pitch mix in this one. Mostly changing up the way he was using his fastballs, cutter, and his ghost fork, and his sweeper a little bit. Really what he did was kind of hide the sweeper. It's a pitch that hasn't really come along as much for him, something he learned this offseason at driveline, trying to get himself to the major leagues. And he really just hit it, mostly used it as the first pitch. Yeah. Like, that became the get-me-over pitch, which is cool. And he also used more cutters than fastballs as the first pitch of at-bats, which that's a very new trend for Kodai Senga. And he also threw more fastballs than ghost forks when he was up 0-2 specifically and got a lot of Rays hitters to freeze on the 97-mile-an-hour fastball. He did a really good job of also working it inside to the left-hand hitters because the Rays just have platoons for days, and they stack all the lefties against the righties and the righties against the lefties, which was amazing. And overall, he threw 44 fastballs, 24 colors, 24 ghost forks. Very even mix. And with all that, something we've seen Kodai struggle with a lot this season, starting off hitters with strikes. 20 out of 24 Rays saw a first-pitch strike, over 83%. So sick. Highest rate so far in his major league career. And... With that all, kind of mixing things up, he was getting them to chase more often. He had the highest chase rates had in any individual start so far this season. It was, it was a lot of really good things for Sanka. He only got down 3-0 once. No, he was never down 3-0. He only was down 2-0 once, and only once was down 3-1. It's fantastic. He was completely in control. And, like, for those of you at home, if you look up the stats of hitters, like, 0-1, 1-1, like, you know, just look at the stats for every single count. Whenever the pitcher is ahead, the, the numbers are not great for hitters. It's just, it's very, very hard when you are behind in the count. So for him to get ahead early with the nasty stuff that we know he has, because that's the other thing to talk about, he was pumping 97, 98 yeah. late into this game with that ghost work, with that sweeper, with that cutter. He's got really, really good stuff. So being able to get ahead against one of the best offenses is just so big. And something that we've talked about too, and like you mentioned it, like how he was able to kind of change the way that he structured his pitches in the at-bat. Like, if me and you were figuring it out, I'm sure the Rays are figuring it out, too. And the fact that he was able to make that adjustment and it was so successful, like, that, to me, is just such a huge, like, wow, that's a big moment. And that's also super how you keep a team like this off balance. When they come in against you to play you, and I'm sure the Rays do a lot of prep work. I'm sure it's a huge part of the organizational strategy. Yeah, right? <laughs> so when teams have a really specific game plan against you and they have to throw it out in the beginning of a game, you're completely thrown off. And they only so. even scratched off that one run with just a couple well-hit balls in succession. But it was... Also, succession. We play the succession music before all the games here. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's like, electric. I, it's it's out of nowhere too, and it's it's very cool. But that music might get me to watch the show. It's it's really good music. I don't know how much you'd like the show because it's no. all like rich business people on private jets and, seen, and making deals. I've seen on TikTok like some like funny moments from like quotes, and I'm like, I like the I like the like the lingo. That no, this is good. They say some insane stuff, but. Yeah, I don't know why I talk about succession. But just the <laughs> fact that you can kind of like wrap around these hitters a little bit. And the second you drop a sweeper that they weren't even really expecting that much and you were expecting it, it was like deeper into account, first pitch, and you're like, oh my God, am I going to be ready for 97? Am I going to be ready for another breaking ball? He also mixed in. It could have just been pitch recognition, like mishaps on baseball savant, but they had some registered curveballs and sliders that he was throwing. One that looked like it slipped out of his hand was came out like 63 miles an hour. 
Uh, yeah, 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 that yeah. weird pitch. Yeah, oh, yeah just, we ooh, that just floated through. The tweet. <laughs> yeah, the tweet. So they were tweeting about um, SNY tweeted about that pitch, that slip pitch when he had struck out five guys in a row, like to start the game. And I was like, like where you, are the strikeouts? You told me I'm like, call him out, call him out. They yeah. didn't. They immediately tweeted out a strikeout yeah. right after that. So I was like, yeah, wants to be some strikeouts because Sango looked amazing. He struck out like six guys first time through the order. It was it was just a really amazing start and really good to see him, especially the day after Justin Verlander didn't pitch to his best. Him. Kodai Sanga being the stopper, adding that element as the number three guy in this rotation is really important. Listen, we know he follows the podcast. Maybe you listened, maybe you heard, and that's why I made the adjustments. You never know. The mess of the podcast difference. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to do another interview with Kodai Sanga. Now that he's been here, we have a... Uh we get a little. How how is New York been now, rather than how New York will be? That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure it's probably lots happened to Kodai Sanga in the six months since we've been off day. One day. Yeah, one day. <laughs> one day. But yeah, let's talk about the rest of this game because outside Kodai Sanga, it was pure chaos. Yeah, absolutely nuts. Of course, we know Mark Vientos got called up. That was the big news of the day. Mark Vientos got in the starting lineup, hitting eighth at third base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark Vientos had a pretty pretty big play in this game. I think we could say with that no. uh, game tying home run in the seventh. Yeah. We were down 2 nothing, and it kind of felt like another one of those games where a lot of people were moaning and groaning. Yep. It felt like, felt like a lot of people, at least who were standing around us in the outfield, were kind of quitting and being being very pessimistic. And Mark Vientos just came up, and he got a slider that just came low in the zone. Not even a bad pitch, either. No. Really good pitch. Ryan Thompson also is a great slider. It was only the fourth home run Ryan Thompson had allowed on this slider in the past three years. Dang. And Mark Vientos went down and golfed it out over center field. It almost did get robbed. You said it before. It yes. almost got robbed. That would have absolutely killed me. I would have crumbled in my in my seats right there. <laughs> I would have disintegrated. And it would have been Jose Siri. Yeah. He, would, he would have gotten on the rat list for sure. <laughs> I would have disintegrated right into my sneakers. But that was a beautiful moment. It kind of like everyone kind of was like, okay, we, we can do this again. Yes. It gave, it gave the stadium some desperately needed life at that moment. Uh, and then we know it, it got away again. Yeah, it got away again. Um, got away again. Yeah, Adam Avino came out in the eighth inning, and we've talked about Adam Avino's like, noted struggles versus left-handed hitters on this show a few times. It's just his repertoire is amazing, but it's just it doesn't leave as much wiggle room against the lefty because that sweeper is going towards them rather than away from them, just as simply as that could be put. And they, they kind of teed off on him a little bit, really got around, and Hope kind of felt lost again. But want to shout out some friends that we made yes. in, the, in the outfield in this game. She she asked us not to reveal her name. Really? Yeah, she said no. Oh, I didn't yeah, hear that. Was, I mean, she's an attorney, so I, mean, I guess that was maybe too much yeah, information fair. there. But <laughs> her, her fiance, and her friend, we just we had an incredible time. A couple of our friends like came through too. We had a great group of people around a table, right by the Aaron Cini Bros. The social table. Yeah, call in it. right field. Yeah, it was social table. Everyone's making friends, hanging out, communicating. And she gave an interesting perspective about being a Mets fan because her family grown up in Queens, but she was like a Mets fan, but not really a Mets fan. And she wound up meeting her fiance, who was a diehard, and like getting super back into it. But she missed that that whole section of Mets fandom between 1987 and like two and like right now the second, yeah. where you kind of get hurt a lot and like a lot of things <laughs> happen, and you really like I don't know how I can feel right now any day of the week, but. She was like, you got to just be positive. I've never met a more negative group of fans. And she was like, I'm a Bills fan. I stay positive all the time. Like, we can stay positive about this, too. And she, she kept saying the word, like, manifest it, manifest it. Yes. We're like, all right, let's manifest it, whatever. And then come up in the ninth inning, Daniel Vogelback draws a walk. Stalling Marte gets nicked on his wrist. Thankfully, he's okay. And then freaking Francisco Alvarez, man. <sighs> the moment, the, the marquee moment of the season. Because I, I, again, you guys all know what happened now. I felt more feeling for this home run than the Pete home run to walk off, truthfully. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Because this is two outs in the ninth inning. John went back and found the stat. John, how rare was this Francisco Alvarez home run? So given the situation, this is pound for pound one of the clutchest home runs in Mets history. It is the fourth time a Met has hit a game-tying home run with a team down to its last out, down by three or four runs. So a three-run home run or a grand slam. This this does not happen. No. And, you know, Lindor goes up there as a tying run, strikes out. Yeah. Um, Vientos comes up, and you're thinking, like, 
is he going to do, do it? it like yeah. the day he comes up? Is this the storybook ending? No. But then in the nine hole behind him is the guy with even possibly more pop. I mean, the lineup was deep last night. That's the craziest yeah, was, thing. Was. And he pulls it off. The other guys, by the way, that did it. Carl Everett hit a, a game-tying grand slam Carl in 97. Uh, Victor Diaz. I don't know, you guys are probably a little bit no, too I young. I remember Victor Diaz. Well, you remember Minnie Manny, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but do you remember this game? It was September of 04. Lou Pinello is the Cub manager. The Cubs are trying season. to get in the playoffs. <laughs> and Diaz had a game-tying three-run home run. It actually screwed the Cubs. The Cubs missed the playoffs that. that year. Lou Pinello was turning red in the dugout. And then 2015, Daniel Murphy in Atlanta. The, this team just refuses to lose Gary Cohen call. Yep. But this home run is lumped in there. And then obviously they win today. And we said this in the pregame show today. Last night's win, or Wednesday's win, could very well be the victory that you circle yep. when you look back. And that's the moment that turned it around. 100%. It was yeah. incredible. We've the been, vibes were were really good. Like it was, it was a little it was feeling down. We were feeling a little like down, yeah, a little like good. here we go again. We ha we did have friends who left. And the stadium cleared cleared out, out when it, it was, was a chilly two. night. Yeah. It was yeah, people were just not ready to see this team go down again. It does blow my mind that people will leave the game early. Like, okay, if you have a car or you don't want to hit traffic, that your own call. But people who I, have opposite of that car, it's less likely. You almost don't unless you have really something to do in the morning, which is like I don't know where those twenty minutes make a difference. No, but when you have the the Super Express after the game, there's yeah. no reason to literally not stay here if you're taking public transportation. Besides LIRR and the NJ Transit, they those trains do run every hour. Okay, that's and different. so you might miss one of those. So all those people, I give them. But if you if you live in the Greater New York City area, if you're yeah. if you're in a borough and you're taking a subway home, first the Super Express after the game, that's electric. Gets you home in a GIF, and they only run that after the game. <laughs> So to leave, to look, to look this team in the eye and be like, I'm gonna leave, take a longer train, and not watch you make the last yeah. out. Disrespectful. We'll say as soon as those people left, it turned right. Literally all it, turned right well, around. That's kind of what felt crazy about this game is that there's been so much negativity in Mets world over the last couple of weeks, and like not all of it's been unwarranted, of course. So yes. Dropped a bunch of series against some teams that we didn't really think were that good. Okay, it happens. Whatever. And you kind of just felt like all the people who were left there were like really, really invested. Yes. And like everyone. And then when you get to those late games, it's cold. It's still early in the season, and we all have to remember that it still is really early in the season here. Like everyone starts to kind of congregate it. Every inning gets like closer and closer and closer. Yeah. Eventually, it's just like there's like these vibrations happening, like on the field because everybody's locked in. Dude, on the Francisco Alvarez home run, I mean, like we almost had like a blackout moment where like I forgot a little bit, but we both chest bumped random strangers. Random I was random hugging people strangers. like in the concourse. <laughs> yeah, I bit my lip. I was bleeding. Yeah, you were bleeding. I blood on my like teeth. I was like, I could I couldn't believe it was happening. Yeah, no, weird. That was that was such a big home run. Also. On the game or on the board before the game, we saw Francisco Alvarez has a tattoo that says the best on his neck. Is that was that a real tattoo or was that real tattoo? That's electric. I mean, wait, no, wait you never noticed that before? I never, never, I never, and it's in, in red, red. kind of high. In red, which is because we talked about Wander Franco's like awesome tattoo before, and now you said he put the debut on there. Yeah, the date. Putting the best on your neck is that's something. That's a big. That's a big play move. It, it, you really felt the inclusion of energy yeah. last night, and you heard Vientos talk about that after the game. Like, me, Alvarez, Beatty, he's like, we're brothers. We've been in the boys. system together. We've yeah. been on so many of these teams together. Like, we are... And, like, you even felt after Pete hit the home run later on, where those guys jumped over that great together, and, like, they're banging each other, hugging each other, like, oh, yeah, we're Dad, you felt something different. And Alvarez's bat flip, I mean, uh, yeah, I was about to say that. Crushed it and just, he watched it and he was like, oh, yeah, that ball's got it. He <laughs> hit it off the second deck and the, the flip and he was pumped. Like, that's the kind of energy that I felt like this team needed. They needed a just a jolt of energy, so a little bit of a pop. Yeah, a pop or something. And like that, Alvarez, that Alvarez home run, I think, is good. We're going to look back, hopefully, at the end of the season and be like, wow. What a day that was. Yeah, because it just, you just, it just felt it too. Like, it just, he was such a shot too. Crushed it. Complete tank. He's so good. He's so good. He's 21. 
He's 21 years old. He's still the youngest regular catcher in 30 years in Major League Baseball, and he's going out there hitting game-tying home runs in the ninth inning against one of the best relievers in baseball, Jason Adams. Yeah. First time Jason Adams given up a home run that sweeper this year. He Go back two years. He literally statistically is one of the best relievers in baseball. Strikeout rate, ERA, whatever you want. He's unbelievably good, and it left the bat, and he just sunk down, and Alvarez just freaking out. Cheering. Did you see his reaction off the bat? Yep. Yeah. If oh, you yeah. go to the slow-mo, he, he turns his head. He goes, sorry, Vito. <laughs> it was just like a, a deadpan, like, like, rub up a new yeah. one. It and was funny. It was also the moment because it almost happened to him last weekend with Aaron Judge. We talked yes. about this in the last oh my show. God, yeah. And he did the same thing. And he like but went down, he covered his head, and then they caught it at the wall. But there was no chance this nah. was getting caught. No. I mean, that's what they say. Yankee Stadium's a pitcher's park and City Field. You know, it's a band box. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's how it goes. That's, that's what they say about those two stadiums. Oh, it man. did kind of stink, though, that right after that, we did give two runs right back. Know, which it was, was hard. Was tough. We brought the infield in, got a little sneaky hit through up the middle. That was the first real moment this year that I was like, I really, really miss Edwin Diaz. Of course. Because we took for granted how often he came in the 10th inning last mm -hmm. year and was able to shut the team down. To not give up a run nobody hit him. with nobody outs and a man on second is Herculean. And he did it more often than not in 2022. And David Roberts had an incredible year by all accounts. He's been amazing. Incredible. And he closed out the game on Wednesday, pitching back-to-back -back days. And but just you really just felt like, at, like getting that second run, it kind of felt deflating. Yeah. It did. Oh, I was in the bathroom. Maybe a bathroom run because I was like, I don't feel good about this one. <laughs> and I was in there. I was like seven five. And that and that ball dropped right in front yeah. of Starling Marte of the second run, like two feet in front of him. I was like, oh, it's my like man, God. seven five really feels a lot different than six five. Yeah. Like this doesn't feel great. But shout out to the fan that will not remain nameless. Did not let us. Will give remain up, nameless. Or yeah, will remain nameless. She said, "How could you guys quit now?" Did not let us give up at that moment. <laughs> we were sulking. Well, I had like my hand, my face on my hands, we like on the quiet. table. She was yeah. like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> like she was like, "There's three more outs." <laughs> I, I, you got you to tip your cap. You got to tip no, your cap. No, she was dope. We got a group chat now. We're going to watch another game with her for sure. She manifested this. She manifested this. She 100, did. 100%. Then, as we know, Pete Alonzo just did walk it. off home yeah. run. Oh crushed it. God. Crushed it. Again. And, like, for the people around, like, everyone was like, come on, get out. Me and you, we, we started celebrating as soon the as the second ball left was the bat. Yeah. Like, ball's not even close to being caught. And he hit it so high and so far up into the second deck. And Pete, sick day. Flew game a little bit for Pete Alonzo, too, with that home run. Yeah. Bucked it after the game. And also, uh, Sad John just dropped us. Mets are now 12 and 2 in games decided in extra innings since the start of 2022. It's the best record in MLB. And a lot of that at Diaz. Diaz, of course. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool to get another one, especially to get another one off of the best team in baseball. Also to get one. Pete that, Fairbanks. Yeah, Pete Fairbanks. That's off Pete Fairbanks. And uh, oh man. Yeah, right, Pete Fairbanks. Wait. Alvarez had a quote about Adam. Did I get Adam and, Fair, Adam and Fairbanks mixed up Maybe. in the 8th and 9th? No. Did Fairbanks pitch in 9th or the 10th? No, no, Fairbanks no. Because did right. you see Fairbanks' quote? No, what? Shout out Mark Topkin, who tweeted this last great. night. He was actually, he joined us for the pregame show today. Oh, really? Awesome. Long Island great. guy. Good dude. Oh, I didn't realize that. Great yeah. follow on Twitter for the All Rays News. Great baseball guy. I was kind of starstruck meeting him, honestly. Like, <laughs> he's a really big deal. I've been following him forever. One of my first follows on oh, like a awesome. baseball yeah. Twitter guy. But anyway, so Pete Fairbanks, after the game, said, uh, yeah, I just left it in a spot where Alonzo could get it. It was an unfortunate time to be the lesser of the two Petes. Hilarious <laughs> quote. Good quote. Very, good very quote. funny quote. It's a good quote. By <laughs> no, now I'm remembering the quote, though. Alvarez said that he channeled the at-bat he had earlier this against season Hader. against Josh yes. Hader yeah. about sliders, being like, if I get one of these in the zone, I just got to take a hack at it. I got to take a hack at it. Because I do remember that bat against Hader. That was right when he came up. Yes. And he looked really overmatched. He did look overmatched, yeah. yeah. But isn't that amazing how much he's learning? It's great what happens when you play these guys. It's crazy. And like if you <laughs> a, great, a great tool to see how players are like acclimating or like how, what kind of streaks they're in. The fan graphs, graphs, and you can set it to a per-game graph, so yeah. you can see the rolling graphs. And his strikeout rate and his walk rate, are going like this. Love it. And they're pretty close Love together it. over the last 10 games right now. It's guys really learning. I mean, we we knew from the start, we've been telling you guys, like Alvarez has the ability to be a very, very special player. Like there's very few times a catcher who 
remember, was we were told he couldn't play good defense. So just strictly Pe- off his hitting, he was one of the top prospects yeah. in baseball. Pe- people say these things. I don't know where they get them from. Because he's, he's been pretty good defensively. Catching, like, is, I'm, not, I'm not a professional catcher, but I caught and, like, I understand catching. But I also remember when Mike Conforto was coming up years ago, he was billed as someone who was, like, a clunk in the outfield. Yeah, of course. And he was not bad at all. Jeff McNeil was... Brandon Nimmo, same Jeff way. McNeil was told he can't play anywhere in the field. Yeah, the he, guy he, literally he, plays everywhere. But Pete Alonso, everyone said he was a butcher and a lifetime DH. He's been a really steady yeah, first baseman. Yeah, he's been a first baseman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like... I, I think a lot of these scouts need even to, like way back in the day, like when Francisco Lindor was coming up in Cleveland, people said he couldn't hit. Like he was a slap header, <laughs> he was a slap header defensive shortstop, and it was like, all right, I don't know. They get so caught up with like these random things that are wrong. And Francisco Alvarez has proven everybody wrong because he's played great defensively behind the plate too. Mets win that game. Boy, did we need it. Yeah. Also, another big thing about this game, just the last <sighs> thing to wrap it up. Pete was um Pete was really frustrated early on. Yes. Because he had the at bat in the first inning with a lot of ducks on the pot and ground to a dull play. And the Met, it was like it really just feels like this first day, first inning thing is really getting to them. And then he had another at bat a couple of innings later where he put one to the warning track yeah. and he showed some visible frustration. That was when the team was still had zero runs. So it was really cool to see him be the hero in this one. hundred percent. Then he cursed. And yeah. then he, and did then he cursed. cursed on television. All right, let's do it for Vito. We could all can we can we curse this one time, Vito? And it's John curses whenever he wants. All right, let's say, yeah, we're good. Correct. Bad, we let's know. go, Mets. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Was that the right time for? I feel like I don't no, know. that was the right time. Was yeah, it? He needed yeah. that. He needed that he needed for sure. That. That if that win turns it all around, then fine. Yeah, it's like the that right was, time. That was a good moment. Also, like he, like you know, he hit the big home run. And Steve Gelb was like, "What do you think of Francisco Alvarez?" And he was like, "I bring the attention back to myself." <laughs> let's talk about Pete Alonso's home run. Like it's Pete Alonso. Yeah. I'm Pete Alonso. Great win. Oh. Mets fans, along with the team, needed it desperately. Seven, needed it. Seven Train was electric after the game. Oh, it was sick. There, were, there, was a, there was a guy on our Seven Train who was, like, chugging Budweiser, like, because he bought them from the train guys, and, like, he was, like, doing holding it up and pouring <laughs> it on his face. And he put up a flag that said, out of here, in the train, yeah. when we were going home. A lot of chants going on in the People train. People were going crazy was, in that train. It was fun. It was yeah. a good time to be a Mets fan. You could just feel, like, a, just a sense of relief for everybody. Like, Okay, okay. And it also brought us, because, I mean, we had to be back at the stadium about 12 hours later, just like John Vito a little earlier than us. Mm. And we were like, you know what? I'm excited for this one. That was yeah. a great game. We got a chance to win a series, which we haven't done in quite some time, since uh, 420, basically. And yeah. great start by McGill. Great Really start. good start by McGill. Probably, pound for pound, probably his best of the whole year, especially considering the team he was playing against and just the, the fact that momentum was so vitally important. And the fact that he gave up an earned run in the first inning, and it felt like the Rays were really seeing him well, yeah. taking some good at bats. It was I was a little bit scared about it going oh, I was in, super but scared. He got to six innings, which was huge for Miguel. Second time he's done it this year. Only that run, and then one more that happened in the six. We'll talk about that in a second. But four strikeouts, and he got twelve whiffs. Second straight start with at least twelve after only getting that one other time this year. So it looks like that slider, which is really important. We're talking about how much how important Miguel's secondaries are, is starting to come along a little bit, especially against. A lefty heavy lineup today for the Tampa Bay Rays. The fact that he was confident to throw it, it was good. Isn't that something you told me about coming back from injuries? That the velocity is always there, but it's usually like the breaking balls and the command is what comes yes. next. Well, yeah, so maybe yeah. that's what we're starting to see a little bit with Tyler and Miguel. Maybe steps. The velocity's fine. It was like 94, 95 all day. Got a couple of 96. And the fastball did get eight whiffs. And he was like sitting it up in the zone. And he, Tyler McGill's just really good at something that I'm going to say is like this is old baseball. But he's really good at bearing down. Mm. Like when there's a guy on base, like Tyler McGill just seems gutsy. to like. Yeah, he's gutsy. He's, getting, he's really, it's been really important what he's been able to do these last few weeks of this yeah. team. Just giving steady innings every single week. Like that's incredibly important. Well, I mean, like even with like Verlander not pitching that well, still went with like five innings or whatever it was. It was. Five, yeah. But like you see how much of a difference it makes just for your pitchers to pitch basically the minimum. Yeah. Like five innings. We got six out of two guys. That's huge. It's that huge. Is. It completely changes the outlook of the game because now instead of having to go to our deeper part of the bullpen, you get to go to Jeff Brigham, your boy. We get to go to Adam Adovino, David Robertson, Drew Smith, like the guys that 
we want in those big moments getting those final outs. James, to your point, this year, McGill, with runners on scoring, runners in scoring position, opponent's batting average, 175. That's fantastic. Incredible. Yeah, that's great. Wow, hell yeah. Yeah, he's bearing down. That's bearing good. Down. I mean, hey, like you, sometimes you just gotta gut it out. Like, we, we would we say that the Mets, these Mets pitchers, like need a little Jordan Lyles in them, where Literally. it's just like yeah. things aren't going that well. You just gotta get out there and pitch. Just get a couple guys out, get to the next um, inning. You gotta will eight innings. Yeah, you sometimes you just gotta just type, squeeze the ball tight. Jordan like, Lyles gotta lead the league in like eight inning losses. Jordan Lyles has to has to have the fewest highlights that have ever been distributed in Major League Baseball. <laughs> I've never seen a video of him pitch on the internet. Never. He strikes out like two guys a game. <laughs> he throws two hundred innings a year. But it's just like it's white knuckling. It's just like yeah. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let you just get away and. There was a moment in the sixth inning where I felt like this game probably could have gotten away, Ooh. where the Rays put like five to the warning track in yeah. a row, and then the line turned over for a third time. We've talked to you guys about how important that line turned over for a third time is for hitters. And Josh Lowe came up and it just looked like he had a very easy home run. It was guaranteed. Yeah, it was a it was a lock and a half. But and he also he had an incredible series. He's a really good baseball so good. player. He like first round pick. It took him a long time to get to the majors. It kind of also probably shows some S fans about like how important like seasoning in the minors is. Yeah, he played a full season last year at Durham where he had like a 140 WRC plus. He came up a little bit last year, the 10 games, so he just didn't really have like the type of play discipline that they really wanted for him to like become a star. And now he went down for a full year, came back up, and he is oh, like unstoppable. Mashing. He's got like 56 combined runs and RBIs through like 40-something games. He's going to be an all-star. Yeah, he's a freak, freakishly good player. But he hit that home run, and then the Rays kept challenging after that, and it was just like, oh, no, this, he's got to get out, he's got to get out, he's got to get out. And then shout out Michael Perez. <laughs> Getting in here for the day game after the night game. Snap throw behind, I want to say, Harold Ramirez. Harold Ramirez, yeah. After two walks, I think, in a row. I think a walk or a single, or walk, maybe like hit that. by pitch, yeah. whatever. There's a man on first and second. And he got caught in a rundown with a man on second, and I think it was Rose Rand on second. He The second happened. He, he just looked like, at him. He's like, come yeah, on, man. Randy Rose Rand wears, wears on his sleeve for sure. And cool to see these guys this year. Talking yes. about Wanda Franco, Rose Rand, like these guys were a lot of fun yeah. on the baseball field. Really Rand, cool to see Randy them. Randy hit a double in this game and did the, the pattern. Yeah. did the look. And Wander just like stealing bases with ease on, a, on Wednesday night. But that was a huge moment. Got us out of that jam. Got us to the bullpen, which is again, literally, besides for Wednesday, which is hilarious. Like the bullpen's been so lights out. So lights out. Yeah. It's so also so funny on Wednesday. We still couldn't like sync everything up. Like had the bats, had the starting pitching. That's day the bullpen. No bullpen. <laughs> yeah, that's day the bullpen doesn't pitch well. But whatever, it happened. Still won the game. And we scratched across just enough. Like Pete hit another home run on yep. Thursday. A couple of dinks and doinks, got some hits. Tommy Pham. Big time Tommy. Big time Tommy. Game winning single. Live driving line driving the books. There it is. I mean, it's so funny how the hard hit balls have not fallen for him, but I think his like three out of his last four maybe hits have all been hit under 90 miles an hour. He has not hit them hard, and yeah. they've been falling for hits, which is like baseball's an unfair sport sometimes. It is baseball. That's it. John said Pete is one home run shy of tying his all-time favorite player for being the king of City Field. You know who that is, right? Did see you? Nah. Lucas wow. Duda. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's. I mean, dude, it, it's pretty funny. Like, if you guys went out to the plaza before a game and asked a hundred Mets fans. Who has the most home runs in this ballpark right here? How many people are, are saying the name Lucas Duda first try? Oh, we might be, we should do that we Saturday should, we might, morning. We should try it. Could we be, could be a little content there. We should do a TikTok with that Saturday yeah, morning. Before it's too late. Before, yeah. who, was, who has the most home runs in City Field history? Yeah. All right. If you guys are listening to this, play along. Just <laughs> yeah. don't, don't uh, say anything. Why, or, yeah, or just tell us before. Maybe we have to cut that. No, Damn, keep it right, 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 we'll right. just, we'll just, If we're doing the TikToks, we'll edit you guys out. No worries. Pretty much if you get it right, we knew you We knew you cheated. Yeah, and we know you're a fan, so we'll have a sticker for you. It's a sample. It's a sample size. Yeah, that's fine. But... Freaking great. It was so cool to just win these games. Yeah. You know what else is great about this? What else? Entering this series, Tampa Bay had lost just four times this year when scoring the first run. Now, I know in baseball, it's not like hockey or football necessarily, but still, Tampa Bay had been pretty much locked down yeah. when getting on top first. Mets came back twice against them. Yeah. Now the Mets have the best record, winning percentage at least, when scoring the first run. The Mets only have two losses all year when scoring the first run. How, How many shocking? times have they scored the first run? Who's that? The Mets. Let's I think take it's a like look. 15. No, now it is 15. Yeah, okay. it is 15. 13 so, 
Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, that counting number is not very high. That's why I threw the percentage at you. Yeah. But still, like, they've done a good job nursing their leads, as is Tampa Bay. Only four teams before this had been able to crack the Rays when Tampa took the lead. And again, at the end of the day, we said this before, the Mets bullpen this year overall has been, been great. Really, really good. And like Jeff Brigham had a good inning today. Brooks Roy, my boy. He, the fact that he has become actual ha- so like, huge. A, like a like a high leverage reliever for this team. Like, didn't you guys did you guys we know when said you heard it, it first? Oh, and not even God. we, it was James. I told you guys in December <laughs> this guy was gonna be a real piece. I don't know where this late, like the back end of this bullpen be without Jeff Brigham. Like he's getting important outs against the Rays in the eighth inning. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, stud. That's another all- sorry. Go finish your statement. We got no, one more guy to shout out. I had nothing. What else? We need to shout out Josh Walker. Yeah, Josh Walker, major, major league debut. That's about that's that like one. that's John's Jeff Brigham, Josh Walker. Yeah. <laughs> You've been fighting for Josh Walker as long as we've known you to be on this team. He's a great story. I mean, you know he went to college, right? Yeah. Plays college ball. Merrimack, New Haven. Oh, close. wow. Yeah, so he knows all the pizza spots. But 29 <laughs> years old, 2017 round draft pick, or 2017 draft pick, 37th round, I think. Th- wow. He was late. he was really very cool. late. Yeah. Injury after injury after injury. Huge guy, athletic guy. He's big finally boy. comes up. Very good to see, and hope nothing but uh but the best for him. And happy to have another lefty in this bullpen. Yes, always great to have more arms out yeah. there. So, shout to the Mets. Shout out to the Mets. What a series! Amazing. I mean, it's just it's just you feel like all right, we can do it again. Yeah. Like I mean, all, the, all the people who think baseball seasons end in May, like all right, I don't know. haters gonna hate. I, I I don't know if we can convince those, but like I think if there was anybody on the fence, you've got to feel at least better after watching this series. It was the, the Rays are unequivocally the best team in baseball right it's now. It's also just cool again to see a team rise to the occasion. Like you said last episode, like yeah. maybe this team just needs to like really get into like some crazy baseball. And like the atmosphere was pretty lively this week. We won the chaos game. Yeah, we did win the chaos game. And that that really felt like a 2022 Mets like shining yes. back through. Like crazy comeback, not quitting, never say die. Two three run home runs. Yeah, <laughs> Two three run home runs wow. to tie and win the game. When what was the last Mets three run home run? Oh, there's a nugget about that. Yeah. The Mets are the first team in the expansion era to hit a game tying three run home run in the ninth and a walk off three run home run in the tenth. It had never happened wow. since Pretty much the entire history of the Mets, but oh I'm talking any team. Yeah. That's that's something else. No, that's, that's insane. Else. That's a great game. I mean, we went to one of the Mets' best games. One of the best games, like, in recent Mets history. And another caveat here. I'm 7-2 of Mets games this year. You are. It's 7-2. One of them happened in Los Angeles, and that was also the last time the Mets won a series. Oh. But 7-2. Seven, uh, seven went to two games this series. Right? Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, honestly. Get James in the ballpark more. Yeah, especially in terms of the actual record. Like, being 7-2 is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so like what, a, we're 22-23? We're and 23? I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's a third of the wins. <laughs> so without without me, they're 15-21. Yeah. Wow. Need James Shiano in the ballpark I gotta, a little I more. I got to get back here this weekend. Oh. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and go over that estimate here. John, I know uh, you did not get to join us in the last one. I did No. This one. I, was, I was out of town. Yes, but I'm it back was now. relief pitcher innings by both teams. I had 21. James had 20. Who mm-hmm. is the winner here? The grand total, thanks to Josh Fleming and Jalen Beeks and Kevin Cash and a, a slew of injuries in the Rays rotation, uh, 25 and a third inning. So nice. Mark Mark nice. wins again. He takes a two-game lead, but that's not that's nothing insurmountable. No. We can, uh, I, I had 24 first. I went against my gut, which was stupid. And you know what else? I also told you guys being in the series that the Rays are star for pitching depth right yes. now. And that really helps us win these games. 100%. Because we're facing Kevin Kelly in late innings, and you just that's it. So now we got Cleveland up. Yes. Uh, for the second of this three uh, or two series homestand, six game homestand, and some familiar faces Couple. on both sides. Obviously, the big trade was January seventh, I think, twenty twenty one. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I remember it well. The next day, January seventh, the big trade went down. Francisco Lindor <laughs> becomes a Met. <laughs> what are you guys laughing about? The Cubs or no? Yeah, no. the Cubs. No, I think yeah, John was busy that week. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> what was I doing that week? The NHL was about to start. Actually, they yeah. they started their season late. Probably, did you catch a Caps game? I was no. They hadn't started yet. No, 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 no. No, that's uh, someone else. But um, anyway, they, they weren't allowing fans in the building at that time. Anyway, so all right. So Cleveland's in town. The big deal. You got Francisco Lindor on the Mets, obviously now, and Carlos Carrasco will return. You guys will talk about that in a second. Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez coming back for Cleveland. Their first trip, I believe the last time Cleveland came to City Field was August of 2019. Remember the uh, walk-off hit, JD, uh, against Brad Hand? Yeah. I was there. Oh, that, yeah. was, that was a hot month for the boys. That, 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 was, was, that was during the run. That Brad was Hand. A, that was during the run, yeah. Brad that, Hand, yes. I, would, I just come back. I went to... That was in Paris. I was like in LaGuardia, like going through customs. I just got back, like listening to that game on Howie, like the second I got off. Cause that was the game that went late. It was like 16 innings, right? It went extras. No, there was one game. So the Mets took the first two. I think that was game two. The yeah, third game. Game two. Yeah. Again, game two. The, the Guardian, it was rain, 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 rain. There were two long delays, and Francona would not give in. This was game three. They, oh, they lost the first two. In the Davis game, there was no rain. No, no, no. That was yeah. game two. And then game three. We had about three hours worth of rain delays because the Guardians, I think they were still the Indians at the time, didn't want to get swept, and they refused to just say, yeah, we can't play. Hmm. And I remember I walked out of here at like 1 a.m., didn't get to the Holland Tunnel in time. I got home at like <laughs> 3 that night. Disaster, but it's been a while. <laughs> got to hit a tunnel on the way home. Well, That's the rough. Holland Tunnel is... Wow. But anyway, so this series estimate, I want to know, and we're going to do a little combo here. Total bases of the position players involved in that trade and to include Cookie Carrasco, welcome back, Cookie, will include his strikeouts. That conglomerate number. Okay. So, um, it's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. Rosario and Jimenez have not been very good this year. No. They're playing baseball. That's they're, what I'll say. Yeah. They are playing baseball. I want to see how often they're both been playing. Like, are they still even playing every day? Well, Rokio did just get called up because J-Ram is not playing in this series because he's on the bereavement list, we I are, believe. We are really getting a lot of good players yeah, missing yeah. games against yeah, us. So I, I believe wow. he's not going to play this weekend because of the bereavement list. We just lost light. Are we good? I don't know. You guys are shining lights, so I think hey, we're good. Hey, oh, hey nice. we're back. We're back with the light. It's voice activated. Um, so I know, I guess Rokio's going to play third then, surely, right? Yeah. It's, I, I don't think they can really lose these guys. Um, yeah, what are the numbers we're feeling here? And you got Carrasco coming back first start. Mm -hmm. I take into account, like, your, your best case scenario is probably five innings, realistically, in the first start back. I'm going to go with, yeah, I like this a lot. That's going to be, yeah. Mark does quick math. It's just to the point. You kind of talk your way through it, but you get there. I like it. I'm a smart guy. I like it. I'm going to say. I'm, I like, I'm a numbers man. I'm a smart guy. Med Rosario leads the league in triples, by the way, with four. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Yeah. That's, that's three bases, and it's 12 bases right there. He can run. That is, he can both, run. both of those guys can run. You, wait, don't, nobody look. What's Ahmed Rosario's first name? Ahmed. James? Jose, right? No. Herman. Oh. Herman. Herman Ahmed Rosario. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact. I did not know that. Topical oh. name this week. But. Bobby Baez's first name. You know what his name is? Ednal. <laughs> I, just, I just found out Al Leiter's full name. Uh, Al Aloysius? Yeah. 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 Is that common or for Al people? Alois, I think. Alois. It's yeah, A-L-O-I-S. Yeah, yeah. Is that common for people named Al? No, I don't think so. Like, Al is usually just it? I think Al is short for this, Albert normally. I might have wrote this number backwards. You're learning a lot this week, John. John just learned that Ray's Pizza is a thing. Oh, no, I thought John. we were going to get through the episode. Not a city guy. Not <laughs> a city guy. All right. Well, All right, I got my number. All right. Me too. Thank Ready? you for, yeah, let's change it to a subject. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. You can't see it on my cup, but I did write 10. I wrote 17. 10 and 17. 10 is low, man. How did you write, how'd you break down your numbers? Um. I basically went four 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 with one wow. little, with one little extra. Okay, I went four two four. 
Oh my God, I forgot Lindor. <laughs> That's a botch. I forgot about Francisco Lindor. Okay. You hey, go. you got to play the numbers that I gave. That's it. How... Forgot about Lindor. <laughs> Big range. He's giving you one, James. He's giving you one. That's Big why range. I did it so quick. I'm so smart. Back. Yeah, so smart. <laughs> yeah. We only distracted him. three fourths of the guys. Wow. Well, hey, go. Carrasco. Or uh, hey, Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario. Maybe no, no, maybe no bases this series. <laughs> maybe no bases. I mean, maybe no bases. Yeah, these guys haven't had that many bases recently. You just start to preview the series now. It's yeah, just, let's let's do it. Yeah, we got pitching matchups coming out. We got a seven ten. Our favorite start time on Saturday, <laughs> four o'clock. Oh, no, I think, boo. I think we're both gonna be here. Bobblehead day too. Bobblehead day. Seven p.m. Sunday. I'll take it. It's okay. Yeah, seven p.m. Sunday. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's a lot. And then Sunday night baseball Sunday. Verlander Bieber Sunday night baseball. Interesting. And then Saturday Scherzer Bybee. You guys are gonna get to see Tanner Bybee, a favorite of the Messed Up Podcast. That boy can pitch. Yeah. And then Friday evening Carlos Carrasco versus Cal Quantrill. Could be probably a lot of contact in that game. Real international affair there. Yeah. Cal Quantrill Canadian. Ah. Team Canada. There player. you go. Huh. It's all a lot of North America. No United States. No United States. There, Interesting. Yeah. This is also probably one of the oldest manager matchups you could possibly have in baseball. Yeah. With Terry and yeah. uh, Buck besides uh, besides Dusty. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely one of the older ones. But you're looking at this lineup right now. Their line, their power or their their offense comes from Jose Ramirez. We'll, we'll say we'll say a absolute fact. Statistically speaking, yes. the Guardians have had have some of the fewest runs scored in baseball. That is a stat. Statistically. I have no comment or th- or thought or theory no. about what that means. But that is a stat that is true. Yeah. The stat it's stat that's true. I'm gonna get the numbers right now, especially in the power department, the guardians have struggled. They just they kind of seem to do this every single year where everyone's like, oh, the Guardians are good. The Guardians could like contend the AL. They have all this great pitching, great bullpen. Just need a couple of these bats to be what they got to be. And over a year, it's kind of like, all right, this kind of just doesn't wind up the way they really want it. They Josh actually, Bell will be back in City yeah. Field. We know he loves to play against the Mets. It's yeah, a concerning. The gu- Guardians have, again, this is just another fact. The fact they have the fewest home runs in baseball. Okay. It's a fact. That they is have, a fact. They have 23 of them. You ever heard of David Fry? Never heard of David Never Fry. Never heard of David Fry. He's on this team. I don't all know right. who that is. And then otherwise, I mean, Jimenez has had a real step back this year after a breakout season last year. He, in terms of war, was theoretically an MVP candidate. Yeah. He somehow had like a 140 WRC plus. He was hitting the ball hard. He had a ton of, like 20 home runs. He wasn't hitting the ball hard. Yeah, he wasn't in the ball hard. Just really finding good ways to get it out. And this year he's taking kind of a big step back to kind of the Andres Jimenez, you guys probably remember, when he was like the slap hitting second baseman. Ahmed Rosario's never taken the step, which I'm sure most Mets fans probably felt that. Steven Kwan, while he was really fun last year, he's really just hits a lot of singles at the end of the day. Josh Bell's a bit of a disappointment. Josh Naylor crushes the ball. Crushes right. Crushes the ball. Canadian. Also yes, Canadian? also Canadian. Wow, yeah. couple, couple Canadians. And then Brother Bo should get the call up soon. Yeah, Brother Bo's good. Yeah, Bo, Bo Naylor. Naylor. Bo Naylor's a good baseball player. And then besides that, the bottom of this order, Gabriel Arias is just, he's a good baseball player, but he's never really going to get to that power, it seems like. Miles Straw, Will Brennan, Mike Zunino, again, David Fry. We're going to see Brian Rocchio play as a fun little prospect, but also the same kind of archetype where I'm going to make a lot of contact and play good defense. Just. Just you know, just got let's out hit these guys. One thing though that we said the Rays didn't necessarily have that the Guardians definitely have that bullpen is money. It's insane. Bullpen's disgusting. Yeah. And Emmanuel Classe hasn't even really been good this year. I think ZRA is like one nine. It's two nine. Okay, two nine. Oh. But he's he's striking out nobody. He has thirteen strikeouts. On Never the strikes year. anybody out. Yeah. No, he did last year a little bit though. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But their bullpen is absolutely disgusting. No, yeah. It, apart from Classe, James Karinchak has somehow found a way to be good again. Who knows? Who knows how or why? Trevor Stefan, how do you pronounce it? Stefan or Stephen? Stefan. Yeah. Stefan's good. Sam Hench is a guy who I don't think his stats are really great, but he, he, he has like a really crazy fastball from the left side. Mm-hmm. He's a huge dude. He's like 6'8. He's a heavy fastball that really gets on you. And Neil De Los Santos, one of my favorite like uh, sleeper relievers in the whole league. I think one of the first articles you told me that you ever wrote about <laughs> yeah, had Daniel De Los Santos in it. Something like that, yeah. He just he just he just throws a lot of junk, a lot lots of pitches for a reliever. It gets a lot of whiffs on all of them. But 
this bullpen is is fearful, and the, the, all the Guardians have good starting pitching. Kyle Quantrill, you know, he pitches to a lot of contact, but he always finds where they get good results year after year. And then Bybee, just he came up recently. He was one of those prospects who like wasn't on a prospect list, but like just always had amazing stats in the minors. As a wipeout slider, a really good fastball with life. He's good. And then Shane Bieber, everyone knows. Yep, everybody knows about Shane Bieber, former Cy Young Award winner. Uh, not the same Shane Bieber that he once was, but still very, very effective and useful. Guardians play good defense. They're pitching solid. Like you're gonna have to play clean games to beat the Guardians. It's not just like walk all over them by any means. And no, for sure. <laughs> we know we should not be t- taking anybody for advantage. Nope, no. We gotta play every play face every single team like they're the race. Yeah. One more <laughs> shout out before we get out of here. Vito's done a great job this week. He's on the smoke now. I am on the smoke now. Vito smoke. And Vito doesn't want the smoke. I've been doing the smoke for about a week now. Uh, it's a thrill, you know. So when you see that smoke come out, know that I'm right there behind it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we had some good smoke, and I gotta say, the last two days. We did win when I was doing smoke, so I feel really good about it. I that. thought you were about to go out there and take third base. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you doing it today. I looked down, and I was like, there's, there's our producer right there. Yeah, I was down there. Uh, you might have noticed that the smoke went off a little early. A little bit. Mm, at one that. second. Hand so, up. So, little backstory behind that. That wasn't my fault. Uh, Francisco Lindor decided to play a little prank on me, <laughs> where at the base of the stairs, um, he saw me looking at the thing ready to go, and the second the succession music hit... He sprinted up the stairs. I hit the smoke, and then he jumped back and went, ah, got him, <laughs> and then started laughing with everybody in the dugout at me. Maybe you're what's loosened up this team, Vita. I don't want to take credit. Now I'm like John, <laughs> I'm like John afraid that i got to cut stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All right, but I guess I guess we're going to wrap it up with the outro again, too. Yeah, we're going to yeah, do it until yeah, yeah. So that's another great episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. You can find us on Twitter at Messed Up. You can follow me at James underscore Shiano. Follow Mark. At Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. With a C. Can't forget the C. Mark got mobbed in the co-corner today when we went out there. It was it was school day at the ballpark. Shout out to Pelham Middle School. Yeah, Pelham Middle School loved Mark. About 30 kids came up for took selfies. Took a picture with the teacher. Took take a picture with the teacher. It was a pretty oh, unbelievable moment. I got to add, I'm not going to say who it was, but when me and Mark were leaving after the last episode, a group full of kids were oh. waiting for autographs last yeah. week. He, he signed a ball today. Mark, I said, how many subscribers you have? James, these kids ran over. And I will say, a very, very famous Mets person pulled up in their car to sign autographs. And this kid did not leave Mark. It's true. It did. It did happen. It's the draft neck Mark uh, effect. You know? It is draft neck Mark effect. But hey, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll see you next after the Guardian series. Let's go, Mets. Peace out. See you next time.